Welcome to CPF Firewire, a podcast from California professional firefighters where we discuss a wide range of issues affecting firefighters, our unions, our families, and the communities we serve. Hello and welcome to another edition of the CPF Firewire. I'm Brian Rice. I'm the president of the California Professional Firefighters. And, you know, just about everybody listening to this program, whether you're a firefighter, a family member of a firefighter, or just a member of the general public, something that certainly we know in the profession, that the job of a firefighter is incredibly intense. It takes a physical and an emotional toll. And it's call after call over the course of a career. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't just wear down our physical bodies, you know, our knees, our shoulders, our elbows, our backs, our neck, but it wears down your spirit. And it, it really saps and damages your emotional strength. And I'm going to give you some numbers here that are, that are pretty staggering. And we get these numbers from the Firefighter Behavioral Health Alliance. I believe uh, that is the work of Jeff Dill. In 2015, there were 156 firefighter and EMS worker suicides. Uh, 2016, 153. We'll jump up to 2019. We saw 144. 2021, 26. And then 2021, we had 90. We know that it's underreported, that we're probably not catching uh, every member that we've lost to suicide in in any one of those years. And it's a pretty staggering thing to think about. And for me, you know, I I think of the the guys that I knew while I was on the job in Sacramento um, that killed themselves. And one in particular, um, uh, his name was Bill. I worked with him at our engine eight when I was brand new. Bill was one of the first back in the day EMT twos. And um, we, of course, then we were BLS. And on an incident um, back in that day, you know, our use of SCBA wasn't always uh, as uh, consistent as it is today. Um, But he got some pretty superheated smoke and gases and ended up with a, um, a very acute um, case of um, COPD and, and really job-induced asthma. And it forced Bill, he was forcibly retired. Um, he committed suicide um, and he was found in his car. And this is about seven years after um, he left the job. He was found in his car with his fire department ID on one side, on one thigh and his uh, badge on the other. And he had shot himself uh, in the chest. Sometimes the scars of this job never lead you, leave you, and they follow you um, into, into death. You know, a few years back, in the state of California, we took a major step in recognizing and addressing the behavioral health challenges that our members face. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And we were at least getting our members into a spot where they can deal, I'll just say it, deal with these memories, some of these horrors in, in a way that allows them to heal, that, you know, the suffering silence, um, I, I'd like to say days are over, but we all know that, you know, we know members on the job that, that still try to handle it themselves. And it, it has, you know, some are successful, some aren't, we can go into that. But where we want to talk about today is the importance of uh, peer support, the presumptive, and then um, the confidentiality. And a few years back, 
um, we brought forward AB uh, 1116 with bipartisan support. Uh, the legislature passed a package of measures that included um, a major, major push towards building up um, critical peer support services for firefighters and, and emergency service workers, police officers um, in California. And the Firefighter Peer Support and Crisis Referral Services Act, it sets up a statewide standard uh, for firefighter peer support. AB 1116 also establishes a groundbreaking confidentiality standard for peer counselors, meaning firefighters that go, go through peer support training. And the standard of our training is set. Um, we use the International Association of Firefighters peer support training. What this does is it, it uh, allows our members um, to have some comfort knowing that um, if they seek out a peer supporter to talk to them about the things that they're going through, that everything they talk to the peer supporter about is confidential. That peer supporter cannot um, be subpoenaed or forced into testifying or um, divulging the information that um, a firefighter has shared. Now, we all know we're mandatory reporters and there's certain things like commission of a crime, murder, those things you're obligated to report. But, but we're talking about the things that, that, you know, I struggled with it. I struggled with um, prescription drug use. And there was no way in hell I was going to tell anybody about that because the potential that it gets reported. I'm, I don't now. I want everybody to know that. I'm uh, um, on quite a journey of my own, but I am um, clean and sober. But if you're sitting there thinking you're the only one, you're not. And that's what part of this discussion is, is going to go into. And today, um, we're joined by the author of that legislation, Assembly Member Tim Grayson. Mr. Grayson is a Democrat from the Northern California area, and he's been a supporter of local firefighters in this area forever. And Assembly Member Grayson, I'm going to drop down Tim, um, not only as a colleague and somebody that we and I work with directly, welcome um, to the CPF Firewire. And um, if you could just take a minute and introduce yourself. Um, to the listeners, and then we're just going to have a conversation and um, talk about peer support and the importance of. So, Tim, thank you so much for joining us today. Brian, it's my pleasure uh, and, and so much an honor to be able to join you today. I have uh, served in the Assembly, California uh, Assembly, since 2016. I represent East Bay Area, Contra Costa, um, with Concord being pretty much the center of my district, going all the way over uh, eventually uh, with the new district into Brentwood and uh, as far the other way as Rodeo. Uh, it is my pleasure, honor again to be with you today. And I will tell you, it was groundbreaking legislation, AB 1116, uh, something that I was absolutely uh, believing that would be life-saving. And I, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Well, it's like I said, Assemblymember Grayson, it is, um, it's just a, a pleasure to, to have you on and, and to be able to talk about that journey that we took together um, with AB 1116 and, and kind of not just, you know, how a bill comes to be, but also to talk about, we can, I, we're going to talk about tangible things that this bill has made a difference in since it became law in the last um, couple of years, year or so. 
And, you know, as I mentioned at the top of the show, being a firefighter, um, it's a high stress job, both physically and mentally. No one gets out of this job unscathed. You're going right. to come out of this with some dents and scratches, and, and some of them might be really deep, um, anywhere from depression, substance abuse, suicide. Um, we're, even, we're, we're even seeing some domestic issues. And I touched a little bit on my own situation. You know, I, I'm the guy, nobody knew it. And um, I didn't I didn't really talk about it because I thought I was the only the only one, Um, you know, my family has had a a history of alcoholism. So I've always been very wary of that. But I fell into um, prescription drugs and a lot of it was over anxiety of the job, worrying, Um, you know, staying up all night uh, while you're on duty, worrying about your crew. And nobody knows this. I didn't tell anybody about it. But what's worse is I didn't really have anywhere to turn. Tim, we could go to fire stations all over California and and find the same type of story. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about. How did you become aware of the issues um, surrounding firefighter behavioral health and and post-traumatic stress? How how did you get introduced to it? and, And what led you to go, I need to do something about this? Well, I, I will tell you, it was uh, it was connected with my my job as a critical response chaplain for the Concord Police Department, and as you well know, in many calls, uh, it involves first responders, not just police, but would also involve fire. And first of all, I wanted to uh, address something you brought up about uh, everybody is impacted by the stresses on the job, and and picture it. Uh, Ryan and, and others picture it like a cup and life, just life itself is going to begin to fill that cup. And then you compound it with, with a significant other and then children and then bills and, 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 and obligations and relationships, and then add on to that an incredibly high stressed job, uh, such as a firefighter. And that cup begins to fill up. And if there's nothing purposely put into life to help drain that cup, it's eventually going to fill up and overflow. And there were a few occasions uh, while chaplain that I, 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 I saw and became aware of the, the post-traumatic stress, but it wasn't until later on that I realized the magnitude of it when I learned about the suicides, I, I became aware of the post-traumatic part when, as a chaplain, I showed up on a call. It was a Saturday before Easter, and an, a Cadillac Escalade going over 70 miles an hour went head-on with a father on a bike and his daughter on a bike. The other daughter was skimmed by the Cadillac Escalade. Obviously, as we know, the father and daughter were killed instantly. This happened right in front of Station 10 in Concord. And uh, as I was there working with police officers, working with uh, the daughter that that had survived and other folks that were showing up on the scene, I noticed standing over over on the side after the the scene had been secured and and things were, were starting to uh, uh, to turn into more of a, uh, an investigation that there were firefighters and the look on their face was devastation. 
And so I reached out and I will tell you, um, uh, I have to give him credit. Chief Atlas was spectacular working with him uh, and the Contra Costa Fire Department. And I went and participated in a, in a diffusing and a debrief with that station. And that's when I, I was so impacted by behavioral health and what firefighters go through. And every one of those calls, whether it's that significant or whether it's even a small call, it's adding into that cup. Suicides became so apparent to me when I became assembly member. I already knew coming in to be an assembly member, I was going to do something about peer support. I just didn't know to what extent and what it was. And then when I connected with CPF, it, it just, it, it became so obvious to me exactly what needed to be done and how far we needed to go with it. And uh, that's when you all became such an incredible partner. And this would have never, ever, ever happened without CPF and, and your partnership, uh, Brian. Well, you know what, Tim, I can tell you and, 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 I'll, and, and really tell everybody listening out there, um, I think we could all tell you were reliving that moment as you were um, talking about that incident. And um, that's what I, I think the lift, the lift that was done, the team effort between every firefighter, police officer, assembly, um, Senate member, our governor for signing was incredible on this bill. Um, I can remember being at a uh, behavioral health conference and, you know, we tried this, we didn't get it through the, the first time we tried this bill twice and right. um, Governor Brown vetoed it for um, several uh, reasons. Um, but I remember being in uh, in this seminar and this came up and, and listening to um, the speakers that were on the podium basically saying it's never going to happen. I think the reason we are successful, number one, is it was right. But number two, this is one of the handful of bills that I've been involved with that we could say our, our major supporter was personally invested, and that would be you. And, and you have, you know, all 30 plus thousand members of the California Fire Service and, and police officers, too. We all thank you for that and, and your investment there. Um, it, it is saving lives. Talk, talk to me about um, how important it is on the confidentiality piece for a member to come to you um, as a chaplain, um, a person of faith, to be able to talk to you and and know that it's between you and I and you're going to direct me to help. How important is that confidentiality piece to you um, uh, as a chaplain and, and a person that works in peer support? Yes, Brian, that without confidentiality, peer support is completely undermined. It, it, it's, uh, it's very surface. And it's a program. It's a nice program to put on some flyer or folder. And uh, it's, it, it doesn't really reach into the life. It is the, it is the confidentiality provision that makes peer support work. Because a member, uh, a firefighter, has to know that when they go talk to a trained peer support um, person or, or counselor or, or a peer, that whatever they say is going to be held, be held in the strictest of confidence. And that way their career is not in peril. 
what they say is not going to be turned around and used against them. And they're not punished for seeking out help uh, for behavioral health. And, and really, uh, that's what makes them uh, a, great, uh, a great person, but a great firefighter and someone that we want to be a, a first responder that is out there helping our community is someone that has strength, that's strong. They have this interaction, this engagement, uh, the freedom to do so without putting their career in peril. So again, confidentiality is everything to this program. And uh, without that provision, it really wouldn't work. And that's the whole incentive for firefighters to be able to talk to a peer support um, uh, person simply for that fact that, listen, I know what I'm going to say is, is not going to be used against me. It's actually going to help me. And by the way, I also want to state this, Brian, it's very, very important that peer support was never meant to replace therapists, counselors, uh, psychiatrists. It was meant to be the first step, something that they could open up, begin to talk, learn how to talk, begin to trust. Trust is a huge factor. And from there, begin to take the necessary steps to restore uh, uh, strong behavioral health in their life. If you just joined us, you're, you're joining the CPF Firewire. We're talking about firefighter behavioral health, and I have um, the state of California Assembly member Tim Grayson, who uh, authored and carried AB 1116. Tim, what you just said is exactly why you were the guy to do this. You just identified what peer support is. It's to get the members support to identify where there may be issues and get them referred to um, a higher or a, um, a, a more um, formal um, place, place of help. That is exactly why we're here doing what we're doing. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this in there for you, Tim, so you'll realize it. I, I did, went back and did some checking. Um, since I've been the president of the CPF, we've had some sentinel-ish uh, uh, incidents, both with loss of life and um, others with major injury. And I'm speaking to um, the Boyd Street incident in LA City where a number of members were burned um, and injured. Uh, the, the LA County Station 81 shooting, uh, Long Beach, the shooting of Captain Dave Rosa, and just recently in Stockton, um, the shooting of Captain uh, Max Fortuna. And what, what everybody needs to know is in the old days, We'd have just went back to the grind. After any one of those incidents, we'd have just went back to the grind and tried to heal yourself through work. Uh, some would have found drinking. Some would have found um, um, drugs. Some would have, you know, uh, whatever whatever vice you would have chosen. But but where we're at today, we're able to, you know, the peer support in every one of those incidents. The depth of it was huge, and people that are struggling were identified, they were able to be put in a pipeline to get um, further help and further care. We have better set up our members to be successful in the rest of their career. And, and quite frankly, the reality is some might not finish a career, but our job in peer support and behavioral health is to make sure they can heal from that experience, no matter where it puts them. With the uh, behavioral health um, presumption, 
on PTSI and uh, 1116 on the confidentiality. You know, just in these, this short period of time, we have done a lot to put our members in, uh, in, a, in a place to heal. And I, 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 I struggle with trying to say survive um, and get help, but I, I have to go back to the whole tenant. And Tim, we talked about this. This is about healing. It's an injury. It's not yes. a disorder. It's not um, a disability. It's an injury to your brain, to your your mental, your emotional health, your psyche, and we can get healed. We can, with the proper care, get healed from it. When when we were going through eleven sixteen in two thousand and nineteen, talk to us about um, when when you when you we approach each other. Let's do this. Tell us about the the nitty gritty, the nuts and bolts, the not sexy, the not glamorous, the work that you had to do internally to see this um, in front of your colleagues, in front of committees, voted through and to the governor. What was that like on on your end? Kind of the how a bill was born. So at first it began with conversations of professionals, those that were in the field, rank and file, those that were right there on the front lines. And uh, and the very things that were existing there actually crept into the Capitol and became a part of the conversation. And that was the inability to trust, the inability to open up. And everybody was they, they were expressing concerns about, well, what if this and what if that? And it became such a struggle of just getting people to the table and creating that atmosphere of trust to talk. And then once we overcame that challenge and we got professionals to, to sit around and actually open up and begin to talk about the real issues, then we had to overcome what was known as the stigma. That was the, just get back to the grind, do whatever you got to do, cowboy up, but let's get back to the calls. And, and once we overcame the stigma, then we started having incredible constructive uh, conversations about what would the policy look like. That's when it started taking formation. And when it did, that's when the stories started pouring in. Suddenly, the strongest amongst us began to speak up and do exactly what you did uh, in this very um, uh, podcast. And that was, hey, this is where I'm at. This is where I've been. Here's my journey. This is what I've recovered from. And once we had those stories and we developed the policy, my colleagues were completely open, unanimously across the board, 80 assembly members, 40 senators, the governor. When they began to hear the stories and they saw the powerful infrastructure put together through collaboration of professionals and firefighters to create a statewide standard for peer support, they couldn't do anything but support it, and and that they did, and it came together really fast. But it was after we worked so hard to overcome trust issues and the stigma issues about uh, behavioral health, uh, specifically mental health. And you said something I cannot stop uh, because I don't know how much more time we have, except for this one thing. You, uh, Brian, you already said it. You are not alone. Whoever you are listening to this call, you are not alone. There are others that are experiencing and going through the same things. And that's why you now have been given the opportunity to be able to talk safely and securely 
so that you can regain that strength, that emotional strength, and that uh, that that uh, uh, mental strength that makes you the the great firefighter that you already are. Well, I was going to ask you if you wanted to add anything in closing, Tim, but I would say you uh, you you nailed it. And you know, we know that this legislation can make a difference just by. The, the virtue of the discussion and the stories we've heard on this podcast from right here today uh, with assembly member uh, Tim Grayson to, you know, um, stories um, shared by Matt Forenza from Orange County, um, the Boyd Street incident, station 80, the station 81 incident in LA County, the Long Beach fire and the murder of Dave Rosa, Stockton fire and the murder of Max Fortuna. We know that, um, this legislation is making a difference. And I think, you know, I'm going to go back to the closing, Tim. Um, we should never kind of rest on, on our laurels. And, you know, you're out in the field. You're still a practicing chaplain, correct? Yes. What do you see as next steps as, you know, president of the CPF, you know, I'm in touch with our behavioral health task force and working all over. I, I would like to ask you, are, are there areas that we need that you're seeing that we need to pay greater attention to or put on our radar stream? You know, what are you seeing in some of the struggles with both um, uh, firefighters, EMS workers and police officers um, as we as we try to broaden this net, not just make the net bigger, but make the the holes in the net smaller so no members slip through it? What um, what do you see on our horizon and what do we need to put in front of ourselves as we continue this journey to um, protect emergency service workers in the state of California? I think there's a lot we can do, uh, and it would be on our part here as uh, elected officials, and that is to work vigorously to participate in, in rebuilding trust. Uh, between our first responders and particular police officers with our with our communities, but then also making sure that that uh, that includes all first responders, uh, firefighters, EMT, uh, paramedics, and then also in, in building that trust, making sure that we provide ample opportunity for folks who are seeking for that path of recovery or that path of healing to be able to do so and, um, and not, uh, not feel uh, like it is a, a bad thing or, or that, it, that they're weak uh, because you can be strong and you're still, I, I don't know who, uh, what firefighter wouldn't be impacted by the scene that I was on that Saturday before Easter and no matter how strong you are. So uh, I think, uh, making sure that our stations are places where we have a place or a spot or something where uh, firefighters on a regular basis come together uh, to just talk and diffuse. Uh, and it doesn't have to be long. It, it could be five minutes one time. And if it's been a busy week, it'd be 50 minutes the next time. But just making sure that there is a regular schedule. You already said it in closing. Don't sit on your laurels. Make sure we're proactive. Make sure we're watching out for each other. And if you're someone that sees someone that are showing signs of struggling, then you be proactive and go to that peer uh, support counselor 
and just drop a little hint. Hey, you m- might want to check in with this person. And uh, that's something we do on a regular basis at, at uh, Concord Police Department. Well, um, you've been listening to the CPF Firewire and California Assembly member Tim Grayson. Uh, Tim, I would just want to thank you for joining us today. And thank you so much for your work with CPF on this issue um, and, and with our law enforcement brothers and sisters. It is incredibly important to all of us that work in emergency services. And brothers and sisters, if you're struggling with a mental or emotional issue that this job can impose on you, I strongly urge you to seek out peer support resources. If your department or local union has the services, take advantage of them. And if they don't, Assembly Member Grayson's legislation makes it easier to get them started. Don't be afraid to talk somebody, talk to somebody. It could save your life. This is Brian Rice. I'm the president of the California Professional Firefighters. And I want to thank you for listening and join us again soon for the next CPF Firewire. You can find CPF Firewire at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you find podcasts. Be sure to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. You can also find CPF Firewire at the CPF website, www.cpf.org, and on the CPF YouTube page. We're always interested in getting your feedback, comments, and criticism. Tell us what you'd like to hear about. Drop us a line, info at cpf.org. CPF Firewire is a production of California Professional Firefighters. Our producer is Carol Wills. Our engineer is Matt McDermott. Please join us next month for another edition of CPF Firewire.